and welcome to Worldcast. This is the Worldcast of the Champions. Ooh. Second Worldcast of the Champions. Last week, we looked at Pro Wrestling USA from December 29th, 1985. A show at the Meadowlands that a young uh, pubescent Johnny Sorrow. Oh, 15. Was you independence know. Oh, yeah, it's pubescent. Yeah. <laughs> I'd already lost my uh, hair. I don't I, I, Johnny probably had hair in his ears even back then. I don't yeah well no, not yet. No, no that didn't come till later. And they don't they're not in my ears. They're growing out of my lobes. Like like I'm Lon Chaney. I have to shave my earlobes. It's terrible. No, but I had lost my cherry at this point though, so I oh, I'd wow. become a young man, sir. <laughs> okay, I stand corrected. Um and we had a blast going over that one. This week, we're turning our attention to Mid-South Wrestling, or on the cusp of being UWF, the Universal Wrestling Federation, I guess. Um, two days later, two days after the, pre- the show we looked at last week, this is New Year's Eve, 1985, from Oklahoma City. And this is uh, on the network. It was part of the whole... Christmas hidden gem upload mania that went on. But since we, you know, we're hardcore wrestling geeks, we are going to provide you with one extra match, one bonus match, not found on the network, but found in the collection of one Pete Schermacher. Um, perhaps when he was buried on New Year's, actually, coincidentally. <laughs> Coincidentally, on New Year's Eve, 2018. Yeah, that's how. It, that's how I found Pete. I mean, you know, you know, that was a terrible accident you suffered, being almost suffocated by all those DVDs. But at least you got to find this one. I know. I mean, luckily, it fell, that was the first thing that fell on me. It was amazing. You know, you know. Hey, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's great. Because um, yes, on the network you have a what five matches on the network, and. Pete provided us with what I believe was the actual main event for the show, Ted DiBiase versus Dick Murdoch. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you got to have that match. So... Yeah, when, we, when we get to it, I have a little bit of trivia about this match, which is really interesting if you think about it, but I'll, I'll get to that later. Great. Well, I think this is going to be a very interesting show. There's a lot to talk about. Um... The reason I'm hosting is that I thought, you know, growing up, I, I couldn't see Mid-South on TV in Canada. Um, we got, of course, WWF and Stampede Wrestling in Calgary. We also got uh, AWA Wrestling, the ESPN show, and um, Pro Wrestling Plus was a show hosted by Ed Whalen that had stuff from some of the territories, but... Outside of the magazines, I couldn't see anything from Mid-South growing up. Um, I know, Pete, you had it on probably for a lot of the 80s or, or most of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, I mean, I moved to uh, Houston in like 84-ish, late 83 maybe. And uh, and what, we got, what I watched was Houston Wrestling. And the, the morning show was a two-hour show where they would they – would, uh, Splice in Houston footage with the Mid South television show. Yeah, yeah, great. And then Johnny, you would have got it 
a little bit later on? Just a couple of months after what we're watching tonight. Um, the uh, It was part of the, the Northeast um, wrestling boom, at least it was for like me and Wolfman, because over the course of a year during that initial boom, we suddenly got everything. And uh, I had World Class on one channel, we had, of course, AWA, Pro Wrestling, was that, WWA, yeah, Crockett. Um, and I, I didn't even, even have cable yet. This was all broadcast. And then we got this channel in uh, northern New Jersey called U68. And it was a low-rent free MTV playing videos by bands you never heard of. And then they started showing wrestling every night at like 7 o'clock. And then, boom, we have... And that was right when Watts decided to expand mm-hmm. and put, put it out there. And suddenly, boom, we had uh, Mid-South Wrestling on Saturday nights at 7. You know, maybe a replay at night. And it and they had World Class and the crappy California wrestling and what have in the Mid-Atlantic. But this World, uh, Mid-South was the, 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 that was the golden fleece for me and uh, Joey. We were like, <laughs> fuck yeah, we've been reading about it in the magazines forever. You know, yeah. and, and. It didn't disappoint. The TV show immediately became our favorite wrestling show. We were just like, because Crockett was still great, but it was getting a little samey, and WWF was getting more cartoony, and all of a sudden there was this. Yeah, and they were able to combine really strong interviews with great angles, and they usually had a pretty fun match or two on on the shows, you know? Oh, yeah, and it was a good thing. They didn't have just uh, what we call loser matches. Yeah. (laughs) There's good matches. Yeah. yeah, they might only give you five or seven minutes of it, but it's better than all the loser matches, like Johnny said, getting force fed that diet for years. Right, and the TV production was top notch, in you know videos and, and all that stuff, making it seem very cool. Yeah. at the time. Yeah, no, I, I've watched a lot of the big matches. You know, I have the DVD VR set and. Yeah, we're I've read about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know you've worked on all the major sets. Um, I've read about you know a lot of the history, of course, and and I was collecting the mags in '86, '87. But yeah, as far as the weekly TV, I've seen bits and pieces, but nothing much really. So yeah, I'm always gonna always mid south, always uh, in the '80s. Mid-South and Memphis were always considered the two best television-based wrestling products. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and by, so, the, and, by, and by the time I got uh, Mid-South, World Class, which had been pretty great, wasn't starting not to be very great anymore. Right. Yeah, because yeah, the talent sucked. Yeah. Yeah, the talent started to suck a bit, and the tragedy started to pile up, but we'll get to that maybe oh, yeah. someday. <laughs> um Pretty good right now. Anyway, so I, I thought I'd... Right. That's why we're doing these specials. We're putting it off. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're putting it off. Uh, so I thought I'd defer to people who are more knowledgeable than myself for this episode. I have a lot of questions. It's like when I was watching all these matches that we're going to talk about, it, like I didn't know, you know the exact feud and all that, and, and certain wrestlers I wasn't too familiar with, so I'll be asking some questions. So, yeah, we have a six-match card. The actual card was probably about ten matches, I think. Um, I thought it was eight, but maybe it was Okay. Four. 
Yeah, I I, I looked I it up. There was two matches we didn't get. Yeah, I don't have it um, right now up anywhere, but I, I looked at it a few days ago. Yeah, there was a few more matches, but I don't think anything too. No, there wasn't anything significant. I remember that much. Yeah. So and and did, the footage. Wait, did, did Savannah Jack fight the the Cuban dude? <laughs> right. That sounds like an undercard there. <laughs> But, yeah, and then what we have here is kind of cobbled together from a few different um, TV shows, I believe. Um, well, what, what happened was Bill Watts and them, like, where we got the Murdoch DiBiase was from, from a Power Power Pro show. The rest of the show is they would tape, they taped it, and I don't believe we ever got the Terry Taylor, Rick Steiner, or the Jake Cumperdink match. Um, I, I might be wrong on that, but um, off it. But the other ones were all taped. They would uh, uh, on the, well, the UWF used to have an old uh, website where they would sell uh, handhelds, which is what this was of, of of matches. And they usually have like you would have two to four matches on a on a on a on a, on a VCR tape. They would sell you. Oh. Mm. And this is what this is part of the library they sold the WWE. Right. I'm looking at the card now. The only matches we're missing um, was Brett Sawyer versus someone named Joe Malcolm, a pure jobber. You can't click on his name. And the mass superstar defeated Steve Dahl. So other than that, we have the whole card. Um let me quickly go through what we're going to be talking about. First up, we have the Bruise Brothers, Porkchop Cash, and Mad Dog Boyd versus Eddie Gilbert and the Nightmare. Um, Terry Taylor versus Rob Ricksteiner. <laughs> this was cool. I'd, I'd never seen um, a Ricksteiner match where he was Rob Ricksteiner before. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, no. I don't think so. <laughs> no. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's what his run was for most of... Uh... UWF for Mid-South, and then we went to UWF, he changed it to Rick Steiner, I think. Right, and wasn't Scott, Scott was Scott Rick Steiner when he was first starting. Uh, I believe in Indianapolis, like the the remnants or the last... Maybe in Indy, because when he was in Memphis, he was Scott Steiner. Yeah, I think it was in Indianapolis, I think that was his first territory, and that was a near-dead territory, I don't even think there's any footage of it out there. Um... We have Jake Roberts versus Sir Oliver Humperdink in a match that I'm going to have a lot to talk- say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Um, Jim Duggan versus Dick Slater. We have Butch Reed versus uh, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer yeah. in a match that turns out to be a bit more than was advertised. And in the main event, like I said before, Ted DiBiase versus Dick Murdoch. So, yeah, this is going to be fun. So let's dive right in, boys. First up, Bruce Brothers, Cash and Boyd, <laughs> versus Eddie Gilbert in the Nightmare. Let me quickly explain um, some of the names here. So Porktop Cash, pretty well-known guy, traveled a lot, um, started in the late 60s in the WWWF as a jobber going by the name Al Nelson. No relation. Uh, um, and then, no, and, really? No relation, really? <laughs> I'm shocked. 
And then in uh, the mid seventies in LA, he first kind of hit big. He did the um, fan in the crowd gimmick coming out and becoming a wrestler. And uh, that went over quite well in LA. And then late seventies and through the eighties, he was pretty much exclusive to the Southern territories. And Mad Dog Boyd, I'm not familiar with at all. Looks like he was mostly just Memphis and Mid-South in the 80s. Um, and the nightmare in this match is, uh, you guys know who the nightmare is, or was. Oh, yeah, it's the Moondog Spot, right? Moondog Rex. Moondog Rex, okay, I was close. Yeah, uh, he also was Assassin number 2 at uh, some point. And he was the original Smash, remember, um, on the first yep. set of TV tapings before they decided to go with Dorso. And he apparently also invented the demolition gimmick. And then he was in the jobber mass tag team, The Shadows, in 1987. Yeah, and, um, then, so, and then suddenly he's mid, uh, the North American heavyweight champion. I wasn't even watching the TV, and I was reading the magazines. I was like, really? That guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The demolition gimmick in Continental, like '88, I think. That's right. Was he? No, that was later. That was Edie, who was Axis the small demolisher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Edie in, in Continental. No, no, not in Continental. No. It was in the '90s. Oh, in the, the '90s, yeah, on the indie scenes. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah he, he had... Edie was Axis the demol- demolisher. Oh, Edie, Edie, Edie had a million of them. <laughs> a different, a million variations on acts of yeah, it, it's hilarious. That's the one I remember from the magazines, anyway. Um, so yeah, here we go. Southern tag, pretty much mm. to a T. Uh, Stooge City from Gilbert and um, the Nightmare here. Uh, so I don't know anything about this tag team. We'll start with um, the Bruce Brothers. Pete, any uh, intro on the Bruce Brothers? Well, they originally uh, were uh, they came from um, Memphis, but it was not Mad oh, Dog okay. Boyd. It was okay. Uh, I'm Port- so glad, Pete. I'm so glad you said that because I was going, who the fuck is Mad Dog Boyd? Like that's not the Bruce Brother I remember. No, he got in trouble or <laughs> or the no show, and Mad Dog Boyd was his replacement. Oh. Uh. Yeah, and yeah, so this is, they were originally a Memphis team, you know, Eddie Gilbert, I mean, we, uh, Memphis always has a, you know, you know, everyone knows, I don't know everyone, but you know, there's always the the big trade they always talk about, about how yeah. Mid-South got Terry Taylor and uh, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, and, um, rock and, roll Express. and Jim Carter Cornette and the Rock and Roll Express, while... Uh, Memphis got Rick Rude, King Kong Bundy. I can't remember them all. Who else? You guys remember who else? No. Uh, let's see. Mid South. Yeah, Bundy and Rude are the only ones that I can think of. Well, they got Bill Dundee too. Yeah, yeah. And the book. Yeah, Mid South got Dundee as the booker. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they always had a history together where they would trade talent and uh, um, and and so this is and Eddie Gilbert has his you know has his. It's just pedigrees in Memphis wrestling, and uh, and this is kind of like Eddie Gilbert had some power in booking eventually, and so I, I believe he's the guy who brought in the uh, the Bruce Brothers here. Uh, but it, it was supposed to be uh, I, I want to say it was supposed to be Dream Machine 
uh, in the other role. Am I crazy on that one, Johnny? No, no. It was two African-American guys. Workshop Cash. And I and... can't think of who it was, but I, I, when I heard Boyd, I, I, I'm looking, did Jonathan Boyd get a tan? What the fuck? Who's it? Workshop Cash. Oh, yeah. And the guy from the original Midnight Express. Um, Norval Austin. Yeah. Okay, okay. Norval Austin. Wikipedia does say it was Pork Chop and Dream Machine, though. Oh, really? Okay, I, it, maybe I didn't wrong. know that. I just, have, I just, it looks like there was a. It was even a like a, a three man thing in Memphis with also Boyd. Okay, oh, there you go. Later, yeah. Because I remember yeah. the Dream Machine. Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, and they're supposed to head over. Um, and it just never, never happened. I think, uh, we, I think they, like, I remember even earlier in 84, they were supposed to do a run and they ended up having Dundee work, uh, with, uh, uh, Pork Cop, Pork Cop Cash, uh, in the role versus the Midnight Express in 84. Um, <laughs> did so, Dundee wear the hat and the sunglasses? No, he didn't do that. Right. <laughs> um, <coughs> <laughs> so, it's essentially this is kind of like the Memphis uh, Memphis match on the sh- on the card, yeah. and I I don't know about you guys I I really enjoyed this I, I gave it three stars and it, it what what makes it even better is when you get the whole entire card because this is actually a perfect complement to the blood and guts where we get from the from the other three main events of Duggan Sawyer yeah. I mean Duggan and um, uh, Slater, uh, uh, Reed, and uh, Sawyer, um, and um, and Murdoch and DiBiase. So having this here, which was a total, totally early. I mean, like it was total early shtick. And you know, Gilbert was really a great foil to the Bruce brothers. Gilbert bumping all over the place. Poor Chop Cash is out of control, and what a character he is. Yeah. Uh, the nightmare uh, uh, turn, and he has. As much success as Gilbert uh, when it comes to facing them in the match, the heels try the same opening spot as the faces and did the exact opposite result. Just good, good, sticky comedy wrestling stuff. Um, uh, the trip, Mad Dog Boyd, and uh, uh, was to, to, to start up the heat on him. Boyd fires back to no avail. He'll stay on top of him. Now you knock her, sets up the hot tag. A Gilbert interference backfires, super fun tag, and a perfect way to be different with the string with the three strong uh, feud blood feuds on top, and honestly, a perfect match for this type of show. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was. It's one of those things where it stands out even more when you watch it in context of the whole entire show. Yeah, yeah, no, this was this was fun. Uh, the crowd was super hot. Total Southern tag here. So much stooging. Um, pork chop cash. I don't know if um, Kimbo Slice, the deceased, uh, whatever you want to call him. I guess he was an MMA guy, but he was also like involved in street fights and stuff. Right. Was he inspired by pork chop cash? Because yeah, he looks just like, like him. him. God, <laughs> the, the beard and the, the hair exactly the same. Um. What was the story with Gilbert and Nightmare? Why were they teaming up? Uh, they oh. were, um, man, Gilbert was also like a manager slash wrestler. Right. And the Nightmare was his guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. And again, I think it's obviously 
when and it, wherever Eddie Gilbert showed up, it seemed but, like he did too. But um, I don't, but I was Eddie a manager at this time? Because when he had first come in, because Humperdinck was their manager. But yeah, but he was like used a lot as an outside. Attack thing. Oh, I just, uh, I just, I just, he initially came in at a very low role and then quickly rose to a very high power. Role. Yeah, you know, and, and were, just, I think they were paired together as like a Memphis C type of team. Yeah, because uh, not, just, not just not not just in backstage booking power, uh, power, but as a character on the card, at the level. Yeah, I mean, you 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 don't feud with Bill Watts if you're not a top guy. Right, and that's when he became more of a manager type in the role where mm-hmm. he managed and wrestle. Where he had the Russians with him, he had, right. you know, he had the right. Blade Runners, but he was doing doing mostly secondary work, you know. Yeah. Oh, he's so good. I, I love him. Eddie Gilbert. He's, he's such a great wrestler. Heel well, face. To get back to how they're paired up, Kelly, it seemed like everywhere Eddie Gilbert was, the either the Moondog Rex is oh who is that's who it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was ended up being everywhere Eddie, Eddie was. I mean, I mean, look, think about it. He was in Continental with him in '88. He's here in a significant run. He, he was the nightmare. He's also the champion. Um, well, they had uh, both had. I mean, he played two different characters in Mid South for him. Um, right. Uh, so yeah, so there's, I think there's a loyalty to him, and mm-hmm. maybe they came in as a package deal. Interesting. So Johnny, what'd you think of this one? Well, believe it or not, you know, anyone who's ever heard me talk about wrestling knows my love of Memphis and Memphis shtick. But, and despite the fact that Eddie Gilbert was out there being a fucking genius at it, you know, just doing everything perfectly. Uh, I love watching someone do a style and do it perfectly. You know, people don't appreciate sometimes that Memphis style, that kind of heel. Eddie Gilbert does a great nightmare. is a great big burly guy. Pork chop cash is kind of fun and exciting, but fucking Boyd sucks. Yeah, he does. He sucks, and he sucked the life out of this match for me, to be perfectly honest. Um, even though I was appreciating what was going on. But it, it is funny. The Bruise Brothers was a gimmick that I initially loved when I read about it in the magazines. And maybe these were the pictures I saw, and that's why my memory was of just uh, two African-American guys. Um but I was a huge Blues Brothers uh, fan. I still am, but at this time in my life, oh, man, the, I loved the Blues Brothers. I had the albums, the movie. So I was like, what a great idea for a gimmick, the Bruise Brothers. And they come out to Soul Man, and they're dressed like Jake and Elwood. I'm like, that's great. But uh, so I was in love with the gimmick. But then seeing it here live, it was like, good. It's a gimmick. Without the music, it doesn't work. This is one of those ones I'm going to complain about that. I'm like, I'd, I'd feel more over about these guys if I could hear them the music. But I did love Eddie's little thing at the end because the nightmares against the ropes about to fall out of the ring and he's like pushing them back at uh, pork chop. So Eddie, you know, like you said, causes it to happen. Maybe it seeds at the center or something. You know, he's so perfect at everything, but I just couldn't get into the match that much because I just Boyd just sucked the life out of it. Well, you're kind of lucky then because this is their slow. This is their short version. They work uh-huh. this thing around the horn, and I remember watching a 30 minute version of this. Oh, match. oh uh, wow! No, yeah, that was no. rough. Um, uh. <laughs> here I thought it was perfect because we got 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this was I will I will say they did it thirty minutes, but the first five minutes because I got the music was them kind of the Bruce Brothers doing the uh, 
fantastic uh, entrance where they go all around around to shake everyone's hands stuff. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they're, they like, running that. around, like, the, how the Bruce Brothers would do it with the music playing of Soul Man and then them, them jiving and, and even everyone high fives and in a, fa- in a quicker, quicker fashion. Mm. Yeah, Porkchop just uses charisma. He's, he's See, so that's good. just it, because Porkchop pork isn't very good either, but Porkchop oozes charisma. Yeah. I, mean, I forgive. Oh. Like, you're talking to the world's biggest Jimmy Valiant fan. I can forgive all that shit. Yeah. It's charisma, and Boyd don't have any. No. Well, even the oh, name, no. Mad Dog Boyd. Mad Dog Boyd? Especially Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer already on the roster. Yeah. Well, you know, come on. Well, that's just it, because on this roster... And Mitzoff, share... that's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can share gimmicks if one guy is black and one guy is white. You got two hacksaws, <laughs> and you got two cute. Mad Dogs. Bill, Bill Watts, that's some of his weird progressive shit. That's not really for I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, yeah. No, this was a, this was a fun one to start. So moving on, we have Terry Taylor against Rob Ricksteiner. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, one note I have from this is did uh, boy did the career trajectories of these two men go in opposite directions? Um, kind of. Uh, well, maybe not from this exact moment, but by the end of the 80s, um, the roles had been completely reversed almost. Because uh, here you have Taylor as the star, uh, and he'd been a star for a while. And uh, Rick Steiner is is totally new. He'd wrestled in the AWA earlier in 1985. Um, I think he wrestled in some other areas before that, but he was pretty new. At this point, but he's he's you know, he's not too bad uh, here playing the heel. Um, and we have commentary by Joel Watts on this match. The previous match, I don't think I had commentary at all. No, right? it comes it comes and goes, which tells you also like it seems like it, it, as you see for that video tape, it seems like it's cobbled together with yeah. stuff that might have aired and just raw feed stuff and yeah, because you even had the titles. Um, yeah. Uh, before the matches started, that was was like from a raw feed, right? Like um, you know, that old computerized graphic sort of uh, a video game, even writing from the right. time. Um, yeah, that's, what, that's what would be on the VCR, I think. Exactly, you know? and that's a genius bit of marketing. I did that when you mentioned that, Pete. I was like, thought about that, like, God damn, man! You know, that's selling video merch at the table. That's thinking ahead for the time because VCRs were still kind of new. You know, yeah, that's how I mean, that's how we got all the footage for the Death Valley driver sets was mm. buying it off of Mid South, by buying it off of uh, oh, yeah. yeah, like we pretty much bought the library before. I mean, we bought everything that was available to the public off that, <laughs> that damn thing, right? That's that's cool, man. Um, so yeah, this was a match. Um, Pete, yeah. Was sure. <laughs> Pete, any thoughts on this one? It was your basic underneath match where you had Taylor the Vet and Rick Rick Steiner, your new, you know, blue chip type of guy who, um, you know, in, in the ilk of Doc and, and yeah. uh, Axel Duggan, who's, you know. Who's yeah, total mid-south athlete. guy. 
Bill yeah. Watts Bill Watts got a raging fucking hard on the first time he saw Rob Recksteiner. You know, you know it, dude. Because it was right up my alley. He, his size uh, back in the 80s hindered him a little bit because he was smaller than those other main eventers. Those other guys were like 6'4 and 6'2, and I bet you Steiner was 5'11 ish. Yeah, uh, maybe but, you know he. he yeah, you know, he had to dig him. You know, you know he had to dig because he liked that legitimate background too. Oh yeah, uh, no, no, yeah, he oh definitely, and uh, and eventually he gets paired up with Buzz Sawyer, and, and that was Sting. a fun duo. Um, and then eventually Sting and then Eddie Gilbert and stuff. Yeah, before he really blew up uh, uh, as the Varsity Club and in. in, mm-hmm. in uh, in uh, Crockett or whatever, and then you know, then him and Scott uh, becoming you know one of the hottest tag teams in the nineties. Which was great because all they had to do was like, this guy needs a fucking gimmick. Yeah, you know, just he, he needs a gimmick, and if he he's going to play dumb jock who sometimes is like Eugene levels of dumb to get him over, then good, <laughs> yeah. fine. You know, he, he he showed a lot of personality finally. Yeah, like I remember finally. Yeah, I remember in the '80s, I didn't think much of him as part of the Varsity Club. But once he started doing the Alex thing, and then you had the Robin Green skits, uh, he really got over as a character. It was insane. Totally. I mean, that pop he gets at Starcade for when he beats Rotunda uh, for the TV belt was mm-hmm. freaking ridiculous. Oh yeah, because they you built know, they, that for they, a felt year. Like they kind of shortchanged him where they could have done something more with him at that point in time, but. You know, and in, 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 in honestly, we're, I think we're lucky they didn't because I don't know if we would have gotten the Scott style, would have gotten the Starhunter mm, Brothers. Because of it. Well, Dusty booked them to beat Ric Flair at Starkid. So well, yeah, brought, well, that was more of like, hey. <laughs> a fuck you to Flair, yeah. Easy way or the hard way, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. We're going to do it the either way or the hard way, baby. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, boy. Yeah. Ooh. Johnny, uh, any, any, uh, uh, just, just, just this is that while Joel Watts is on it, he, he, Joel Watts is not awful. No. Joel Watts isn't good. Joel Watts is just fine. And it's just his cadence and the timber of his voice that he's not cut out to be a wrestling announcer. Yeah. But, but he, he's fine. You know, he, 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 but he, I guess one of his lessons, maybe his dad told him, is say both names over and over again. You'll hear it later. Ted yeah. DiBiase, Ted DiBiase, yes. Dick Murdoch, Dick Murdoch, Rob Rick Steiner, Rob Rick Steiner, Rob Rick Steiner. And I'm going to imagine after a while, finally, Bill Watts went, son, we're just going to call you Rick Steiner. <laughs> okay? Because it sounds ridiculous. You know? I'm sure he made that call. And the only other thing is... It's so funny, Terry Taylor, and here's how big he was at this time, and I've told the story before, but fuck it, I'll tell it again. There was an article in one of the Aftermags, one of their made-up shit articles, and it was about, uh, what's the secret bet between Magnum TA and Terry Taylor? And it's, who's going to win the title first? And it had some ridiculous thing about stipulations they do, but at least on the magazine's level, Terry Taylor was... You know, one of those possible young guys who could be the NWA world champion. Yeah. And uh, and when I see, when I watch Terry Taylor as a baby face, I realize so much. I was like, he was, he was such a natural heel. Yeah. He's such a fucking natural. Because when he does turn heel in Mid-South. Yeah, he's great at awesome. it. awesome. 
He because he he's so awesome. They took Chris Adams, who the last time he had done anything was been a heel. He got blinded, sure, but that was a different territory. And he's now a babyface, and he's got a feud against the heel Terry, Terry Taylor, and it works. Yeah, because they're both awesome. And Terry Taylor, it's first time I ever saw him as a heel, and he was amazing at it. And he's got Gilbert f- together were a great two. Oh, they were so good, and he's got the finisher that works for it because I love Terry Taylor's flying forearm. He really looks like he lays it in here. He's oh like, yeah. You know, it looks great. That's always what, whether you call it a, a, the flying burrito or whatever you want to call it. I love that move. And Terry Taylor's looks great. I'm sure it's soft as a feather, but it looks great. Yeah, Taylor and, uh, was one of those guys who, you know, he gets a lot of bad rap, I think, on the internet. Um, by not being a super worker or not looking great. Um, yeah, you know, he gets a well, bad rap because he was the red rooster. That's why. Well, yeah. Bad that is- I, 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 if I had a territory, you'd always have a spot on mine because I mean, you could work him as a face, you could work him heel, you could work him in a tag, mm-hmm. you could work him on top, you can work him in the middle of the card, you can have him working with a young talent like a Rick Rick Steiner and and having him show the ropes. Um, Sean T- Michaels was always uh, was always saying how Terry Taylor was really influential in his career and helping him out. Um, mm-hmm. He was one of those guys who I think is, <laughs> who is more important for what he helped and how he conducted himself as a professional wrestler. Well, and yeah, he had trust me, he had plenty of other. I mean, women was his vice. Um, I remember him from in Houston just. Sending the usher out and just picking girls out of, out of the crowd. <laughs> like, like he's no, no that, like he's David Lee Roth. Yeah, <laughs> I saw it. I saw it in Mid South, and <laughs> I saw him as the Red Rooster still doing it in Houston. <laughs> doing it. Dude, okay, the quality you know, may have no, declined no, a bit for the Red. No, Rooster. no, no, no. You know what? No, fuck that. Terry Taylor's got fucking game because he's like. Whether I'm fucking possible NWA champion Terry Taylor or the Red fucking Rooster, I'm gonna call my shots and get some tail tonight and be confident about it. <laughs> Good on fucking Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor also gets a bad rap because of a lot of like uh, stories that have gone around through shoot yeah, interviews, right. and this, that, and the other about that he could be a fucking asshole. And but yeah. apparently, a lot of it, he's got an amazingly dry sense of humor. That's kind of off-putting. So, yeah. like, uh, you know, maybe just some people don't get it. You know, I understand, Terry. You and then, then there's also a part of it is like a lot of he's, you know, he has, he's a guy who gets hundreds a year. And then he, you know, a lot of people think that he squashed their careers. Right. I know Seth Rollins hates his ass because um, he didn't see him as a top guy. And, you know, what? I think, uh, I think maybe Terry Taylor's right. Cause I think yeah, because I don't see Seth Rollins as a yeah. top guy. Well, I think, Seth, I think Seth Rollins is Terry He's the top too. guy, so... <laughs> Seth Rollins is Terry <laughs> well, Time to bring back the Red Rooster gimmick and give it to, <laughs> to okay. Seth. Uh, well, the thing is, Terry Taylor's, right because, Terry Taylor's right, because no matter what we think, or including me, the loudest pops of the night, and he's the most popular fucking guy. I don't understand it either, but that's a fact. But... Yeah, Terry Taylor, but that's he was in a position of power once, and you know, some guys make different decisions, and then guys hold grudges. Yeah, you know, so that's wrestling. Agreed. Yeah, I, I like Taylor as a heel too. I, I haven't seen near as much uh, as you guys have, but and I'll always have the uh, Red Rooster thing sort of tainting my opinion of him. 
But I did like him in WCW, even as like the tailor-made man. That Wait, hold, on, hold, hold on a second. You, 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 you're shitting on the Red Rooster, but you liked the tailor-made man? Because that was even worse. At least the Red Rooster was original. The tailor-made man was literally the million-dollar man. It was... Yeah, I know. It's awesome. Not only was Wayne, I like the Taylor Made Man, so let me preface it. Okay. There we go. But he was, he, was, he was actually a knockoff of Mike Rotundo uh, doing uh, whatever. Michael Wall gimmick. Street? Yeah, it was, which was a ripoff of the million. Yeah, okay, so he's Taylor. A, he's okay. That was slightly okay. before that. I'm sorry. He, he was the second Xerox of the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've always had a soft spot for the the Taylor Greg Valentine uh, tag team. from yeah U.S. Champs baby yeah yeah that happened yeah it happened in 1992 it was oh, like was the bad. last the end of the U.S. tag team titles basically yeah I don't I know why know, but I've I didn't even know it. the U.S. tag team titles were around in 1992 yeah. they also were retired in 92 <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look at some of the names that held those straps at the end. Oh, it's a boy. who's who of uh, like short-lived tag teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Except for the Freebirds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then a horrible talk about like bad Xeroxes. That was the worst Xerox ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, next up, Jake the Snake Roberts. Versus uh, Sir Oliver Humperdinck. I don't. Was he Sir Oliver Humperdinck at this time? Or? Yes. Okay. Um, he had received I, his knighthood by this time. <laughs> yes. Well, I just want to say I loved this as a total minimalist classic. Um, the older I've gotten, and the more I've appreciated these kind of matches. Yeah, you where know, you, right? You know, right, Kelly? Like, if we were there, if we were probably. Like the internet's age, or how these kids are on the internet, we would <laughs> fucking hate it, you know? It's Those kind of fucking like millennial. Roberts, Rick Martel blindfold match. I remember hating it when it first happened, but fucking now I watch it and I'm like, God, this is fucking incredible. Yeah, well, this, this is so fun. But when it's, but when it's, uh, here's the thing though, but when it's wrestler getting his hand on uh, the, 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 just the manager, I think that always works. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, in one way or another, there's variations of it that have gone on, but I think, you know, when it's the two wrestlers, the blindfold match, I, I, I realize that it's great now, but at the time, when the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell's going on here? But this is just like classic, you know, going to get, you know, I have to have a hand tied behind my back, but then we get, get a hold of that nasty Humperdinck or, or Lou Albano. Speaking of Xeroxes. Well, yeah, this is, this is what uh, Ron Bass and JJ should have been. Uh, oh, oh, boy, there you go. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Exactly, exactly. Well, yes. they, gave us, they didn't even come close to this fucking level. I think we even suggested why wasn't the, this one yeah. hand tied behind his back or something. Yeah. yeah. So that's what the gimmick is here. Roberts uh, ties one hand behind his back because he's going against a manager against somebody that of course he should beat with ease um so there you go um yeah i i just i love this one they didn't have to do much at all of course but the crowd is totally behind it all the way um peter johnny you're gonna have to enlighten me on the feud that uh was going on with these guys this is like dark for me kind of because humperdinck wasn't in houston um, 
wasn't used in Houston. Mm. So they never really highlighted him much. But I mean, I know he was affiliated with, um, with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason, what's his name? Lord uh, Humongous. Lord Humongous. Lord Humongous. So, well, well, and, here's, and Jake uh, and Lord Humongous were having a feud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is where Humperdinck, of course, had, Jake had problems with Humperdinck, and this is just probably some dip match or something uh, where right. it led to this. Um, you, you know, it's like, you know, Kelly, you need to, if, you, if you love this match, I think you need to check out the if the Houston match uh, with uh, Duggan versus Skandar Akbar, where they're both tied to the ring post. And, okay. uh, and that's, that's a pretty incredible minimalist. <laughs> yeah, that's good, too. Um, but yeah, this thing is incredible, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you have Jake with the, the arm tied behind his back. Yeah, and and this is one of these matches that would just because there's no managers really around, uh, you can't do this. It's just like people yeah. work worry about work rate too much, where they don't know how to do this minimalistic match, or they or they just oh. can't do it because of the dynamics nowadays. Um, and and Pete, you also can't fat shame now. Because uh, that's that was one of the funniest parts of this thing was the way Jake Roberts was doing his subtle like when when uh, Humperdinck uh, he says something uh, during, when they're on the mic but you can't really make it out it's something about his body but you get it when Humperdinck has to take his jacket off and Jake is just leaning back all lanky and just pointing at him look at yeah. that you know but look like look at that tub of guts but uh, it, with a, with a grin like <laughs> look at that slob. You know, yep. And Humperdinck's playing it great, too. You know, that's just stuff you can't do anymore. Oh, yeah, this is true. And uh, and this is one of those matches where both guys have just an insane amount of tricks to keep it interesting. Yeah. And that's what they do. It's just full of bullshit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sticky goodness. Um, <laughs> Humperdinck using the foreign object, and then yeah. Jake gets it. And then it's just bust up pretty wide the fuck open. Hits the DDT and the crowd goes wild. I mean, just tremendous yep. fun. Again, this match was perfect for the card it was on, you know, because uh, we got had three blood feuds on top. Yeah, we got some blood here, but it needed it. Uh, because, you know what, the wrestler <laughs> needed payback. Like <laughs> a little sneaky-ass manager. And then he had Lord Humongous come out for the save, but Jake's able to evade him. And yeah. that, you know, extends their feud so much. And uh yeah, I absolutely love this match. I mean it's like it's like it's a it's a can't miss match because it's so damn entertaining. Um and this is like the match where you where people you know, we like that that match with uh, I think it was with uh Brett Sawyer on the last battle of Atlanta with Jake. It's like a yeah. match, right? Mm-hmm. But this is where Jake is also a great Crowd psychologist and mm-hmm. able to take a non-athlete in Humperdinck, who really on on, on the scale of manager is not very high on even a good manager scale, oh, and yeah. is yeah. able to do this and lead them through a little just fun, <laughs> fun, fun, a perfect match. I mean, it was just the perfect. This was the perfect match, honestly. Humperdinck is so hateable, though. Just looking at him, he's a little. <laughs> oh, yeah. Troll, yeah, you just. That's not to dismiss Humperdinck because I mean, in in the right settings and in, in like in the seventies, I mean, we just don't have a lot of footage of the guy. Yeah, uh, Florida. I mean, all he was incredible in Florida in the seventies and yeah. stuff. Yeah, Humperdinck's just a second-rate Southern Lou Albano, 
And yeah. this was this was his, and this was but this was the greatest Oliver Humperdinck performance I've ever seen. He was masterful with the whole well, I'm going to use the foreign object up here and then move, it's in my, hide it in my belly. You know, you clearly see it in his studies. It's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. And then he moves it to his his socks and then starts kicking Jake with it, which I'm like, ah, oh, that's good. That's really good. You know, now, now he's kicking him with the foreign object. But um, they, uh... oh, no, no, but Pete, here's even the, my, my favorite part is when Humongous comes in. It's not after the match. He's... Mm-hmm. Going for the DDT, and Humongous comes in. He lets go the T- DDT. Monkey flips Humongous, then hits the DDT. That's One, okay. two, three, rolls out. Humongous is like, what? you know, and the crowd's going ape shit because this Kelly. This was at a time where Jake had been a hated heel there for a long yeah. time, and mm-hmm. somehow or another. The tag team of him and Nord the Barbarian, or whatever they were calling him at the time, yeah, just Barbarian or Nord, I, I don't recall. Thanks, Nord. Yeah. No, you just called the Barbarian. Called just called uh, Barbarian. Uh, yeah, dude, see, we're talking about. There's lots of Barbarians. You got you know, there's Congas and Nords, and they got over as a babyface tag team. I think it happened very organically, and it's because people wanted to cheer for the DDT. And yeah. that led into the feud, I think, somehow with Humperdinck, and then Humongous gets involved and Nord's gone, or I'm not sure what it was. But it was that evolution of, nope, we're going to make this sleazy motherfucker into the hottest baby face of the territory. He feuds with uh, um, Dick Slater, it's fantastic, fantastic stuff. And not, But not too long after this, he's in WWF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is, and he's a heel again. I remember being taken aback because I was watch. I caught the tail end of him being a babyface and hot, and then he was on WWF TV and a heel, and I was like, "Oh, really?" It, it took me a minute to accept him as a heel, but only a minute because he's that good. Yeah, he was this a was a blast. This was a blast. Yeah, he was a master, and and it's just a, you know sometimes you hear people going, "I don't understand." Yeah, the the talking point. Jake's a great worker, and it's just they don't understand it. They don't understand. Yeah, they don't get it. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's kind of like Lawler. I hear like a lot of people say Jerry Lawler is boring, and it's like, uh, yeah, you just don't get it. Um, but they don't. What people don't about Jake, people don't understand what ring psychology is, because when people say people, all the people, people always say, or his 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 peers say, he's the greatest in ring psychologist there is, and a lot of fans take that as the psychology of moving from one move to another as if it was realistic. I'm like, no, it's the psychology of slowing down and speeding up and working a crowd. That's yeah. it's the psychology is on the crowd, not that kind of psychology. It's taking a live crowd and taking them on a, a trip through their reactions. That's what ring psychology means. And that's why, so that way if, if, if something doesn't make sense, doesn't fucking matter if you're doing it right and you're taking them on that ride. Yeah, and I've heard Jake so many different things. That. Like I've heard Tully Blanchard said for crowd psychology, it's like who can get the crowd to yell the loudest for the longest. I've heard yeah, that. I've that. heard. Um, I've seen. But for me, growing up with Jake Roberts in Houston and then really going to plenty of WWF sh- shows, is hmm. he might not have had the best match on the show, but he always had a spot. He might have had one in the top two. 
you usually had the most memorable spot on the show mm-hmm. in a match where you're like, well, I didn't see that coming anywhere, or, well, that was really interesting on how he did that. And would it be anything like, like, a, like, like oh, my God, where you, you're popping off the roof, but it is like, it's just something interesting how he how he worked it into the match type of thing. Yeah, he had, But he always had a connection. He's someone who's going to yeah. have a connect, connection with the audience. No one's going, ugh, Jake Roberts, man. You know, not live. I saw him live, yeah. too. But here's the fun thing. Here's how much of a nerd I was. When he showed up in WWF and he started wearing them, them tights with the snakes on them yeah. that were tight on his skinny legs, I hated it at first. I was like, Where's the fucking karate pants, man? <laughs> oh, yeah. The karate pants. I was like, fuck that, man. I like the karate pants. That's a, that's real Jake Roberts. This is WWF bullshit. Making it, you know, and of course, how wrong could I be? You know? <laughs> that's funny because, you know, the first Jake I knew was WWF Jake, and then I'd he see. He didn't like him either. He didn't like him either. He's he's going on record. At first. Yeah. He, he came into Vince and was like, I'm not too sure about that. And Vince is like, I can find another snake. <laughs> yeah. Because I only knew that, or WWF Jake, and then I saw pictures of pre-WWF Jake in the karate pants, and I thought, that looked dumb. Um, yeah, with, yeah, like, the go. drawstring. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the Crazy. hell is that? Is it, yeah, it's comfortable. It looks comfortable. Yeah. I mean, he probably didn't even shower. He probably slept in those fucking <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. You can wrestle in them. You can fall asleep in the back of a Volkswagen in them. You know, they're perfect. Yeah, it's weird. Um... <laughs> The humongous character, of course, is is the, um, the, he, Jason Voorhees from Friday the Thirteenth, at least with the hockey mask. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh well, no, I guess um, the it's Road Lord Warrior. Humongous. It's Lord right. Humongous from the Road Warrior. Right. That's right. Okay, yeah. I always I appreciated. I always appreciated that because the the movie The Road Warrior spawned so many gimmicks. You know, the, the Road Warriors, and then then from there. I love that Humongous was the one that were like, no, we're going to literally take the character from the fucking movie. It, that's exactly what he looked like. And, and, and that's another Memphis staple. I mean, Jerry Lawler. It's like Frankenstein. That type of thing, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. Frankenstein. And hell, he brought him in. He brought him in in Memphis, too. Yep. It did. It was. It originated in Memphis. Um, and and but a bunch true. of different guys... Uh, were humongous in the well, 80s. Sid, Sid was a humongous, Sid, right? uh, Yeah, Sid, I think, was the last of them. Uh, yeah, the, I think this was Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, Van no, Camp? Jeff Jeff Van Camp. Jeff Van Gundy coached the... Yeah, the Knicks. <laughs> <and> uh, <laughs> Jeff I Van Camp. myself, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there was Van Camp, and then there was two or three other guys besides Sid that that uh, worked the humongous gimmick in the 80s. Um, yeah, this is a fun match. Everybody should check this out. It, it's it's what pro wrestling mm-hmm. is, is always should be. Um, it's it's great stuff. Okay, um, next up, Jim Duggan, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Dick Slater. Um, they both have women in their corners. Yes. Slater with Dark Journey, Hacksaw with his girlfriend, Deborah. Deborah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's his wife now. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know that it was a a long-lasting relationship and not just some bling. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea who that was. Um, (laughs) Me neither. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, what was... I remember her being involved in the DiBiase angle a little bit, but I don't remember the Slater at all. Mm. What was the feud between Duggan and Slater, Pete? Over the North American title. Oh, okay. Was this a North American title match? I don't think you know, it was. I don't know. Um, yeah. I thought uh, it might be. Who else would have had a belt? I thought it would be Duggan or Slater at this point. Yeah, because all they uh, had was all they had was they at this point they had the North American belt and the the, the TV medallion. Yeah, that, that was it. But I didn't I don't recall seeing the belt in this match because no. Nightmare had had it. This it, I don't remember. It got it gets mixed around right around now. Yeah, because I remember. I mean, Murdoch had it for a bit. Yeah. Uh, Duggan, Slater, Reed, Jake had it for for a, for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, Duggan never got it though. That was always the funny thing. Oh, he got it. Did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, he never got the that. UWF title. Yeah. Oh, that. Okay, yeah. that's, what I'm, that's think, what I'm thinking of. I think Duggan had it right when it changed to UWF. Right? Yeah, that's it. Duggan yeah. gave up the title to yeah. the UWF title, but he didn't. And I always thought that was unfair because I was a big Duggan fan. I remember watching that ceremony. I was watching it at a TV in Wolfman's house on a Saturday night, and they're going, oh, here's the belt, boss, and we're just going to have a tournament now. I'm like, he just got the fucking belt. That's bullshit. Make him the champ. He's the, he's the most over guy. That gigantic belt, too. Unique, uh, belt. unique look. According to Wikipedia, Butch Reed was the North American champion at this okay. point oh. in time. Dick Slater would win the title on New Year's Day, 1986, in Tulsa. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So the very next day, there was a title change. But yes, uh, Butch Reed was the uh, champion going into this and show. And I guarantee apparently. you, wow. on that date, I guarantee you the chain match injury probably came into effect on him losing it. Yeah. that's yeah, In storyline? Oh, definitely in storyline. Yeah, because that was a thick, sick finish. Yeah, Duggan was the last champ. Retired May 1986. Title. Um, all right. So this was uh, this was. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll lay it out on the line. I've never liked Jim Duggan. Um, oh. I I mean, Mid South Jim Duggan. I've come to appreciate, but that's years after the fact because all I knew of Duggan was WWF Duggan, and as a teenager, especially, I hated. Um, I could understand USA, that. pro USA, um, ho, all that. This, year, this is about as Canadian as you've ever fucking yeah, found. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hold on, hold on a second. It kind of was part Kelly, of Kelly, that. Kelly, yeah. pardon me, pardon me. Okay, I thought you were about to say, look, I, I you know, you, you saw Duggan first at WWF, and he had the two by four, and he kind of sucked, and he stuck his thumb out, and it seemed like a dummy. You know, I go, I get it. Your first thing was fuck USA. <laughs> uh, thank you. I know that's great. I love it. Well, it was around <laughs> the time that the Blue Jays played the Braves oh, in the World Series. Nice. You know, nice. that was a that was a very uh, tense uh, moment in Canada. I, I, I was rooting for the Blue Jays in that series because fuck Atlanta, <laughs> fuck Atlanta. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I, I still have that. Like, same with the Bushwhackers. Like I know they were awesome yeah. as the sheep herders. Um, well, I can understand hating the Bushwhackers. Yeah. They were fucking weirdos. Yeah, Duggan and the Bushwhackers were the. But Duggan uh, to me is like because he just 
with the ultimate baby face who who gets like you get over anywhere, any place, at any time. Oh, totally. And, and they gotta get walk out on Raw tomorrow uh, or Monday, and then get a fucking gigantic pop. That right? Uh, yeah. The, no, the, no, I I know he was great. Yeah. But I see. But I see what what Kelly's talking about is. Mid-South UWF Duggan. Maybe it's the blood. Maybe it's the presentation of this is the land of these giant fucking tough guys. You know, and uh, and he's a tough guy. You know, he's doing ho and everything, but he's not walking to the ring with his tongue out of his mouth. Go, you know, it, you know, he's a badass here. Remember well, the angle? Where, yeah, it's different. Yeah, his role is totally different. Yeah, you know, I mean, remember the angle in Mid-South where, what, he, got, where he gets blinded? I, I think Akbar blinds him. Yeah. You know, and uh, he it, it, for some reason it was the fire maybe because he had to cut his hair. And Bill Watts is doing this. Uh, uh, I might be mixing up uh, angles, but it doesn't matter. Bill Watts you know, on the commentary is like, you know, he's like, you know, men with long hairs, maybe it's something I just don't quite understand. <laughs> but for a man like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, that hair stands for freedom and individuality, <laughs> and it's a damn shame. I'm like, this is the best i love it it's so good hacksaw jim duggan was a, a like a badass hippie you know with the, the gimmick from the the sheriff from walking tall you know. yeah buford uh, yeah buford pusser that's it and but mid-south he's you know he's a top guy and he's in blood feuds you know yeah. and that just wasn't what wwf was at the time yeah, i understand mid-south duggan is one of my favorites yeah uh, I mean. he's so great yeah. I, I, I when I met him, I'm like, dude, he might have been the most over babyface in Houston in wrestling history. Uh, you can make that argument. The dude was that over in Houston. It was ridiculous. And then uh, he stuck. And then he stuck his tongue out and Pete went, "Thanks, pal." <laughs> <laughs> He's too far gone. He'll never come back again. Oh <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, I can see it. Yeah, he was totally a man of the people type, people's champion. Um, type star well it was, give me another decade or so maybe i'll have more appreciation uh, of uh Hacksaw duggan anyway pete what were your thoughts on this contest i enjoyed this um you know mid-south jim duggan like i said is one of my favorites um early on in the match slater takes a early powder early walk duggan walking walking tall and kicking ass early on then it's a reverse neck breaker and starts choking out duggan big fight on the floor Slater smashes Duggan's head into the guardrail, and Duggan makes a comeback with fists, only to get cut off by Slater. Duggan hits a spear. Slater gets tied up in the ropes. Duggan gets Slater's foreign object and uses them on Slater for three. No, ref reverses the decision to use Duggan. Fun match. Give it two and three fourths. It wasn't like it wasn't your high end Jim Duggan walking tall like against Buzz Sawyer type feud, but this. Uh, this this worked. It was a good, good, solid, good, solid match and stuff. Yeah, and the crowd was definitely irate with the finish. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we'll talk good about heat, that in a second. Good heat to to uh, work towards rematches from here. Um, was there blood in this match? Yeah, of course. Okay, there was. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep track of it because I I guess it'll end now with four straight uh, um, matches with blood and on the Pro Wrestling USA card. We had at one Wait, point four straight. Four? I think it's four. It, it isn't. Um, DiBiase and Murdoch and uh, Humperdinck yeah. bled. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. 
it, yeah. it will be. I, I see what you mean. We're yeah. at the start of four. Okay, because I was this like, this is the second of. Did Terry Taylor stiff Rob Rick Snyder and give him a nosebleed? I don't remember that. No, Humper Dink in the previous match, gotcha. this match, and yeah. then the dog collar, and then the main events of four straight. And then the Pro Wrestling USA show had four straight matches of blood um, on it, too. It was, you uh, know, it was a bloody Christmas in 1985. Definitely. Uh, Johnny, did you enjoy this match too? Uh, of course, I enjoyed. I enjoyed. I enjoy all this stuff. This is all stuff I have fond memories of. Yeah, we're not uh, Canadian to have this bias. Yeah, this nonsense. <laughs> uh, this, this silly non- nonsense about Hacksaw Jim. I had just seen Hacksaw Jim Duggan three days earlier at the gun or whatever it was at the goddamn Meadowlands filling in. Oh no, no, that was a different card. God damn it! But Pro Wrestling USA. I got to see him. Anyway. <laughs> That would have been that would have been great to, just to add to the legend. But <laughs> first, I was like, "Who the who's the blonde?" And they don't explain it for a while. And then there's Dark Journey, and I okay. When it comes to wrestling crushes at the time, I had the hots for Dark Journey. But, hotter than you thought, or she was hotter than Missy Hyatt. Oh, uh, I, I, I definitely hotter than world class Missy Hyatt. Okay, Let's say that's that. Fair. Let's say that, okay? But when they were both together, oh boy, World Cut um uh UWF had like the biggest manliest action and the two hottest fucking chicks at in yeah. wrestling, at least to me. And uh but even at the time I knew that Dark Journey was kind of weird for a name for the only African American valet in the 80s. And now I look at it, I was like no, that's nearly racist. It, it's it's not over the top racist. It's it really kind of racist. Think about it. Yeah, you're going it's on a kind of racist. <laughs> Ooh, you want to take a dark journey? I sure do, ma'am. Yeah, I sure do. And you know, so that's maybe why it's a little acceptable. You know, it's sort of sounds like it could have come out of a '70s black exploitation movie. That's the name of. You know, the controlling uh, woman who controls the mob or something like that. But anyway, I'm just trying to explain to everybody. No, it's fucking racist. Um, there's a great, speaking of the fans being so hot, there's a great part where Duggan's got him in a headlock, uh, uh, Slater in a headlock. And he's, when the ref's not looking, he's punching him in the face or cheating, whatever, because Duggan's a brawler. And the ref's doing, uh, Tommy Gilbert is doing the whole ask the crowd if Hacksaw Jim Duggan is cheating, and there's these dudes in the front row who are going, nope, no, of course yeah. not, no. I'm like, that's great. You know, that, that's interacting with the crowd and getting them involved, and that that's it's fantastic. And apparently the whole thing with Deborah, because I didn't know who the fuck she was, and, but they, later on commentary, uh, was it Watts uh, Sr. on commentary? here or uh i believe it was yeah it was uh bill watson okay says that when uh, slater and sawyer hurt her like they hurt her and they were a team too of heels as well you know which was weird they were just like just in uh, crockett together and then came here together uh and I'm like, what they do to her? They, I, I don't have any idea what this angle is, but apparently those two heels hurt her. So Hacksaw is getting her martial arts classes so she knows how to handle right. herself and all this. I was like, I've never heard of this angle 
you know, never in a magazine, never in any footage I've seen. And of course, the two chicks go at it, and I'm expecting Dark Journey to stiffer because that's every Missy Hyatt story is that Dark Journey can't control herself, and uh, and stiffs the shit. And if you watch some of those brawls, she's right, but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't fuck up Deborah that much. And you know, but boy, Bill Watts loves it. Like, Look at them Wildcats going tooth and nail at ringside. You know, he's he's great. I I love Bill Watts on commentary. He's the best. He's a great one. I, I love That's him. That's how to get yeah. an angle over. And yeah, totally. over. Well, he's a perfect example of this is my goddamn business. I'm going to get it over. He learned how to talk. In, he learned how to talk in New York in the 60s. Yeah. You know, and he knows how to do it. He's studied under the learning tree of all those guys. And uh, so he, Duggan, Duggan gets the nucks and uses them right in front of the referee. Gets or however it works, he ends up getting disqualified, and his reaction to it is so odd. Because first he's just sitting in the turnbuckle, like kind of despondent, like just <laughs> like Jim, what did you do? You fucked up, Jim. You had him. You fuck. You had him, and you had to go and. Use I you have the fucking you pushed it too far. You, you're a loser, Jim. And then he gets up and he slowly just starts walking around the ring and he's still despondent, going, "Yeah, oh, you fucking dummy, you fucked up again." But no, you know what? No, it's not fair. It's not fair. And he builds up, builds up, and it builds up to him doing his foot stomp, oh, and stomping his foot. Everyone goes ape shit, and. Then he starts screaming loud enough for the hard camera to hear it. He's like, "That's bullshit, bullshit, it's all bullshit." Like uh, the progression of Hacksaw Jim Duggan judging himself in his mind for his dumb mistake, and then coming to the conclusion that everyone's against him was fantastic. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So next up. We have now back-to-back hacksaws. We have mm-hmm. hacksaw Jim Duggan. Well, we know, yeah. you know, that's. We have hacksaw Butch Reed. It's well, opportunity hacksaws. Speaking of Canada, back in the day in the CFL, you had a eight-team league, and you had um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and you also had the Ottawa Rough Riders. Oh, is that a rivalry? <laughs> um, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Rough Riders was one word. Ottawa Rough Riders was two words. Um, but in an eight-team league, you had two teams with the same name. Uh, and they hate uh, each other? <laughs> not really. <laughs> it's just, That's so Canadian. <laughs> it's just, just how it was. Yeah, but the in, space between ours is totally different. In Mid-South Wrestling in 1985, you have two wrestlers named Hacksaw. And uh, what was the other one? Two wrestlers. What was the other two, two mad dogs? <laughs> well, that, well, see that—that's the thing, though. But the mad dog thing doesn't really matter because you know there's one high-level mad dog and one low-level. Yeah. There's two high-level hacksaws, and it's just that was a point of their feud when Reed was a heel. You know, like who's the real hacksaw? But then they turned him baby yeah. Like, well, we got two hacksaws. Who gives a shit? I, <laughs> who cares? Like Vince McMahon would never let that happen. I'm kind of like, who gives a shit? Like what? I'm like, because you can't make the argument of like, who? Maybe they can't tell the difference between the hacksaws, but I think you can. I think you <laughs> yeah. prove that. Yeah, there's, there's a, a, a few point. Theories. Yeah, technically, going by Butchery's tights, he's axaw. Axaw, yeah. 
because the H is peeled off. That's yeah, okay. you see those shorts in uh, tight quite <laughs> often. <in a> lot <laughs> of... Damn, that's the last time I get my tights done at the mall. <laughs> so really, they're not the same. Uh, it's two two different names. Uh, so this one, this is a Bill Watts specialty because he would have cards where he would have a surprise match, you know, if you went to the show, that wasn't advertised, right? Um, often it would be a cage match with the, you know, Watts would say, well, you go to a Mid-South show, you get more than what you paid for. And this match is an example of that, because as we see at the beginning, this was just supposed to be a straight-up match, but Buzz Sawyer challenges Reed to a dog collar match mm. um, right at the beginning. So we're getting a match that wasn't advertised. Um, Sawyer cuts a racist promo, of course, being the time it was. Yep. Here's the, I couldn't. I, I, well, here's the, even in my earbuds, I couldn't make out exactly what he was saying, but there was definitely boy a lot. So I'm like, okay, yeah. I know. Well, it was basically about Reed being chained and that he oh, needs chained. To be, he even did yeah, that too, huh? That okay. was yeah. That's yeah. that was the racist part. Anyway, that aside, we get a pretty crazy brawl with a lot of blood. Uh, Pete, what did you think of this one? I, I absolutely love this. This is, uh, mm. you know, either you either can work the chain match really good or you have a shitty one. And this is one of them standout ones that were awesome. I remember Duggan and, and Sawyer having an awesome one. Of course, the Piper and uh, Valentine is a legendary one. And like in the Piper Valentine one, you get a little bit more. They, they give them more time, so they're able to tell a little grander of a story. Yeah. Here, it was all about the violence. We had about a nine-minute match, and it's all about the violence. I mean, like both guys are great before the bell starts. Scoyer is just flat out scary as hell at this point in time. <laughs> this yeah. is all action and butch strikes first with the big soup bone. Um, this is violent right from Jump Street. Reed attacking the shoulder with the chain, which I kind of liked. Um, the ground and pound uh, Sawyer with the chain. Fist drops by Butch with his fist wrapped around the, the, the chain. Just good violence, you know. Good violence. Uh, Good violence. (laughs) Reed has has busted open Sawyer, and this is a truly great stick with the right workers. Uh, And these are the right workers. Mm. Buzz cuts him off and takes him to the floor. Crowd is like 100%, 100% behind Reed at this point. Reed is bleeding. Buzz just smacking Reed with the chain. Hell yeah, he misses. And, uh, and Reed now is whipping Sawyer with bad intentions. Sawyer dies off the top rope into a Reed punch. Fucking violent spot. Uh, Sawyer gets his collar and ties it to the rope. And Reed is at Sawyer's mercy. What a brutal finish. That was just brutal. Looks like he got his neck just cut in half. Okay, almost. so uh, then, Pete, explain to me how that happened, because I don't understand the finish, because... It looked to me like he went to take a bulldog and then took a flat back bump. Did I miss something? He, he tied his chain off, uh, off yeah. the ropes. Oh. And so he did the bulldog, 
and the chain pulled him back like the dog. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, I I, I, I blinked or something. Yeah. And I brutal finish. And the finish that they had to have played up in the title change the next. Oh, night. it must have. That must have been yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. Definitely. But, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if that was the like the plan uh, if he was gonna hit him with the bulldog or he just misjudged how le- he didn't have enough slack in the chain because he, he kind of yeah, whiplash. I believe this is like the most violent finish they could come up with. Yeah, well, it, it looked bad. It was like when Bobby Heenan got uh, whiplashed by Ken Patera with the belt in that yeah. um, d- debate angle they had on TV. Yeah, this yeah. is a, a legendary Mid South brawl. Uh, Post match, Doug enjoyed. Joseph Slater joined the fracas. Uh, Hacksaw's got to stick together. Yeah, great stuff all around. I give it four and a quarter stars. Just violent perfection. Violence and perfectionist. <laughs> only only went like nine minutes or so, nine and a half minutes, yeah. as opposed to like yeah. the Starcade chain match, which went about sixteen because they did a little bit more feeling out process, a little yeah. bit more cat and mouse stuff. Yeah. But, and yeah. I mean, I, I mean. I, I, that one I liked a little bit more, but this match it was fucking incredible. But because it was all about the violence, man. Yeah, it was nasty. Yeah, there was no feeling out process. They went straight to the yeah the whipping, and then both guys were well. Um, yeah, there was blood. Yeah, Sawyer was bust open in the first couple minutes. Uh, lots of blood. Johnny, I'm assuming you enjoyed oh. this one too. Yeah, I loved it. But here's the thing about I, I thought the same thing comparing it to. Um, the Piper Valentine match, but I was watching a lot of the shots with the chains they were doing in this match. And Peter absolutely right. This match looks so fucking violent and it works as it all comes together. There's hatred, there's blood and they're whipping with the chains. But I was like, I was just like looking at the shots going, how stiff is that with those fucking chains? And these guys are so good. They're coming just that close, just that close. When Buzz Sawyer's whipping uh, a Butch Reed, um, you could see that Buzz makes sure he gets up so he's not flat on his back. So it's just kind of wrapping around the side, and he's really not laying it in, but it looks good, and his selling is good enough. It's all, I mean, that's good enough. It, 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 they're not stiffing each other with this fucking chain, but it looks Amazing because of the presentation of everything else. Because in, in, in the, and if you, if you, that blew my mind. I, I, I totally forgot about that Bill Watts would uh, surprise people. Because if I had been in that crowd and the surprise match is a dog collar match, I would have lost my shit. Dog collar matches yeah. are my favorite gimmick match. They're my favorite gimmick match. It was from the first time I ever saw one. I was like, Dog collar match with around your neck. I'm like, that just seems like the most brutal motherfucking thing, you know. And that's my favorite, so of course I love this. And after the racist shit, I did pick up on what Butch Reed was saying, and he's fucking angry because he ain't having any of that shit. But I did pick up, he's like, you know, I fought the junkyard dog in a dog collar match, and I beat him, so I'll beat you, and I'll take this match, but it's got to be no DQ. And he's, you hear him going, I'll do it, but it's got to be no DQ. All right? Well, we agree? And, of course, Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer agrees because he's doing st- stuff like going, with his furry fucking boots. <laughs> yes, the boots. His, his giant dog feet. 
I the first time I saw Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer was on Crockett TV, and he was a baby face, and I fell in love with those boots. I was like, "That's awesome!" Him as a a heel covered in blood, howling at the moon with his dog feet. Uh, I don't you know, look. I don't care what kind of a shitty motherfucker he was in real life. I couldn't give a fuck. Mad Dog Buzz Sawyer is one of my all time favorite wrestlers. He's so original. I mean, dog feet. Who would have thought of that? That's not just furry boots, like other furry boots. They're literally like fucking dog feet because he's the mad dog. And he makes it work. Some guys couldn't pull that shit off. He pulls it off, especially when he's covered in blood. I I adored this match. And then Slater and Duggan at the end. You Mm. know, just, uh, this was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, this was really good stuff. Anyway, uh, I mean, the other thing that what they're doing is their umbrella storytelling too. Here, yeah, yeah. oh, big time, big time, yeah, yeah. big yeah. time. Because as we know, Slater will beat Reed the next day for the North American title. Yeah, it's all connected. Um, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, dog collar matches. Yeah, you, you don't see those too often. Um, so this was well, a nice it. treat. Well, that's what's funny because I think some of the the sh- actual shots and and stuff uh, that was going on in the Piper Valentine one, the actual use of the chain was more brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I just picture Valentine with that chain around his mouth and everything, and I'm going, okay, that's not comfortable ever. How do you sell that? You're just put you putting up with that. But these guys were just counting on the fact that we're covered in blood and we're so professional we don't have to actually hit each other with it. We can be safe and still mm-hmm. brutal. That that's genius. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they they were totally safe. Everyone was protected, and yeah. Except uh, for maybe that finish. Now that you explained it, because yeah, cause I didn't it, understand it. But now you explain <laughs> it, that sounds brutal. <laughs> it did look brutal. Um, but I think we've saved the best for last, as far as I'm concerned. Oh boy, because <laughs> we get qu- quite the main event here. But before that, it's time for the live reads. This show, Worldcast, is a member of the Pro Wrestling Only podcast family. Check out ProWrestlingOnly.com to explore other podcasts, match reviews, features, and retrospectives, reviews of wrestling books and video games, and anything and everything pro wrestling. It's awesome. Check out the main site. It's something else. I, I gotta be honest... You know, I haven't really, never really checked it out all that much, and I just checked it out recently. I was like, oh, this is good. It looks good. It's well organized. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. You know, pro wrestling wise. Now, do pro wrestling message boards turn you on? Well, then, sign up at the PWO forums. PWO, PWO has been around for over a decade. Look. I put it to you, Worldcast fans. If you aren't a member at PWO, this is your call to arms. Join up where you can enjoy the archive of 1.7 trillion threads and the match discussion forums and the microscope forums. Hey, are you a shut-in weirdo who fancies himself a big-shot wrestling insider? But you have nowhere to go because no one gives a fuck. PWO's the place for you. And... You can discuss in any topic from wrestling's past, present, and future. Check it all out at ProWrestlingOnly.com. All right. Uh, yeah. So here we are. Um, like I said, I think we've saved the best for last. This feud I am somewhat aware of because I've seen the famous DiBiase flair 
TV match that led to this whole thing where uh, Murdoch came out. No, it was at the before the match uh, between mm-hmm. Flair and DiBiase, where Murdoch uh, bloodied up DiBiase, and that turned uh, Ted babyface after and, several years. As right, you know. laid him out, and the key point here is laid him out with the brain buster on the floor. Right, exactly. On the concrete uh, floor. Yeah, and Ted came back, spirit of. 76. No, and the the key, Kelly, and the key to it was the way Bill Watts presented it throughout the show. They were like, well, we don't know if we can have this bed Bill, no, Ted DiBiase is terribly lacerated. He must have said lacerated 18 times. Terribly lacerated 18 times. And and (laughs) we're we're just not going to allow this. We're not going to allow this. And then when he comes out, all the spirit of 76, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I implore you. You know, uh, if you have young children or ladies or people of weak hearts, turn off the TV because that bandage might come loose. And we don't know what might happen. So please, if, if you have weak constitutions, yeah. turn it off now. Which Some people will go like, why would, you, why would you tell your audience to turn off the TV? No, stupid. People get on the phone back then and call your buddy and you're like, dude, turn on the TV. There's going to be a fucking bloodbath. That's how it makes people watch, because it's promising that's going to happen, uh, and it does happen, and it's the, one of the greatest angles in wrestling history. Yeah, it is. Um, and then the match that, that happens with DBS and Flair is really awesome yeah. and super heated. Yeah, it's a great and uh, turns one of the most hated baby uh, hated heels, one of the most hated heels, a total babyface. Yep. Yeah, and it's cool in this match. Ted still got the black glove, and and he's still using it. Um, no, but they mentioned he's like, "Well, we haven't seen that in a while." Because well, just him bullshit. Because he always had it still. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because him and him and, and Doc had sort of started turning babyface a little, a bit at this time. But yeah, but it gave you that feeling like, "Oh no, you, you brought down the thunder. You're going to get the little leather glove." Which, Even as a babyface, he still had the glove, is what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. I, so this was just a short while after the angle? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. this was two months, because what mm-hmm. the deal two was, was, yeah. was, split, was DiBiase was on a tour of Japan. Uh, uh, that's why oh, they hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah, so I think it was in October. <laughs> I think the angle was in August, maybe, or September, the flare thing. Um and yeah, and he was gone for a few months, and he's finally back. And the irony is, everyone remembers DiBiase and, and Murdoch having this legendary feud. In actuality, all they did was work two single matches mm. two days earlier in Houston in this show. Wow, that's it, really? Yeah, and mm. they cut it off here. But in the Houston match, they spin it off. Into a tag feud with Ted and Doc I remember versus that. Murdoch and Matt Superstar, and that becomes the feud. <laughs> I remember that. I think that. they ran the same angle here, but they, but they went right into they went to the finish and they went to black here, and I think that I think they ended up running the same uh, same feud because didn't Matt Superstar work underneath on this show? Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Well, did well, didn't Murdoch end up just getting the fuck out of the territory over something or another, whether or not it was? Oh, that, that was six months down the road. Oh, okay, okay. Because one of the mass superstar well, was, I think, first was Edie, and then it became Kelly Kaniski. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. There was two mass superstars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Edie wouldn't have been too much. Well, no, 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 not Edie. I meant Murdoch. Didn't Murdoch? Wasn't he gone? Like. That's what I'm saying, Johnny. Okay. First, his partner was Matt Superstar. Of oh, okay. I'm saying, I see, I see. Sure. I know. I, I'd heard that there was some sort of disagreement with him and Bill Watson. He would kind of just like, you know, you know, Dick Murdoch, and they're like, oh fuck. Yeah, he like, does eventually but... leave because, but this is like again six six months. Oh, uh, okay. And I was I was hurt like it happened he right quit after over this. the fact that Watts fired Matt Superstar too. Oh, that's Kelly right. Kaniski. Oh, that's the story. I'm sorry. The Blade that's Runners. Right. No, you've told that story before. Now I had to hear. Yeah. I had to hear oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, I remember that now. Well, anyway, the, everybody's here at this point in time. Uh, Murdoch's awesome. Um, every time I watch a Murdoch match, you see something different. You saw uh, the curly shuffle in this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was so unique as a performer. So great. Um, and DiBiase's so good, too. Uh, these two guys at this time, they were just masters of brawling selling bumping good looking offense from both guys these guys were just great pro wrestlers at this time at their peak um and this turned out to be a really great match pete what do you think yeah and that's the other thing we don't uh, we, we don't see much today in today's wrestling is the injury angle where they injure you yeah and they and like like, for example, uh, on a couple of these hidden gems we've had on the network, look at the um, the Steamboat versus the Briscoes match. Mm. The, the big angle in that match was the Briscoes tried to break Jay Youngblood's uh, leg. Mm-hmm. In the comeback on in that match, what does Steamboat target? He targets the Briscoes' legs. That's doing revenge spots. Here, the big angle on the uh, flare match was Murdoch dropping DiBiase on his noggin on the floor with the brain buster injuring his neck. Here you see Murdoch target the neck quite a bit. Uh, you see him, uh, you see him when, after the brawling stops, he gets a little bit more methodical. You see him dropping a knee on the back of the neck. You see him choking. You see him uh, grabbing Ted and throwing him into the corner again. He's taking neck bumps into the corner. And then you see him, Murdoch on the top rope, putting his knee in the back of Ted's neck and driving it all the way down into the bottom of the to the mat. Mm-hmm. So it's a story and a psychology that just doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't exist anymore, but you don't see it often because they never allow, they don't do injury angles um, like they used to, where someone injures a body part and then you, you build your feet on, and working around targeting that. Um, right. Here, this is just um, this is just awesome. I mean, some of the punches thrown in here are just things of beauty. Um, uh-huh. I like Dick. He's like working the rib cage early and Murdoch peppering him with punches. DiBiase. Um, um, uh, is, is is awesome with his punches. Um, Murdoch targeting the neck and starts really punishing Ted here. Ted sells and sells and sells. Love the uh, the, the psychology and the focus on the neck. Um, bloody brawl, and I really like that uh, cat and mouse ringside spot where Murdoch suckers him in and then boom pops him on. 
really good stuff. I give it four and a quarter. And I, I suggest to people because it's online on YouTube right now. Is people should check out the the DiBiase um, Murdoch match from Houston, which I think is is a lot better, uh, which is even better than than this one. Um, it's 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 just one of the pictures better, and it's more violent. Um, it's it, it, it's it's me and Johnny with Gaga over it. Um, <laughs> Uh, and we both put it up there like some of the best brawls we've ever seen. Um, and yeah, and this, this is pretty damn good too. I in the four and a quarter range. Um, great stuff. And just the irony is people just remember this as like this incredible feud where they only had two, uh, two singles matches and stretched into a tag feud, um, which I find just fascinating. I never knew until I started researching it a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting that they didn't go further because this was the main event of this card. I mean, it yeah. was it was it was. They the just main needed event. To, they needed to turn Ted Babyface so he can have his uh, frosted hair and beard and be handsome and come out to the <laughs> USA. They needed it done over and done right. with. And yeah. in the commentary here, you see Joe Watts. He's never mentions yeah. the Murdoch Superstar Tag Team. He's yeah. always talking about this feud with the Sheep Herders. And it felt felt like uh, like they didn't even want to acknowledge that feud. It might have been because yeah. of when when they aired this on Power Pro, which I'm not sure. It yeah. almost felt like maybe those guys are out of the territory, and this is the new feud uh, that DiBiase and Doc are doing because they're baby faces at this point. Yeah, probably. Johnny. Yeah, well, first of all, with the black, the black of throughout this whole thing, when he first puts on the black oven, he, glove, and here's the thing: this is like babyface Ted DiBiase, even though he just turned babyface, and he may have used it before, or whatever. But you know, he's put it on because this is sort of an anything goes match, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and he's got it on, but it's not loaded yet. And it's my favorite thing is that that silly little leather glove, you know can be just devastating if you adjust it right. You know, it's so dumb wrestling, but if it's done right, it gives a shit. Works. I love it. And and the finish was awesome, too. Oh, the finish. Well, I'll just go right to the finish. Because uh, when he uh, he's up for the brain buster, he comes around, boom, hits him with the loaded glove, and Murdoch's cell of the knockout shot is instant unconscious, uh, being, uh, being unconscious, just instantly out of it. Just boom and collapses into a lifeless. And, and, and also the story too is you know the tease of the brain buster that he escapes this time, yeah. which is which would have been a kill shot and could have sent Ted back to the hospital. Right, exactly. I mean, it, but 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 it, but again, it's it's the whole like. It, 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 there's lots of arguments. I'm not even going to get into this, but I always I always love about like you know the fans don't give a shit if you cheat or not. They care who you're fighting. Because yeah. Ted DiBiase pulling out that loaded glove and knocking the fuck out of Dick Captain Red Nick Murdoch, you know, bam, and they go ape shit. No one cares if you cheat. It's, I know it's, Rock it's, and Roll Express and the Fantastics built yeah. shine spots yeah. a shit. Uh, for years cares. behind the ref back, but they were because they're baby faces and they're fighting the heels. They were baby face spots. Yeah, who gives a fuck? No one cares. It cares if, if you're on the right side of good or evil. You know, and you can do whatever the fuck you want, pretty much. You're just, just pushing it too far. Anyway, then at one point, Dick Murdoch goes into the crowd, 
And uh, I don't know if the dude in the Hawaiian shirt said something to Dick Merrick that pissed him off or he was just scary, but there's a dude in a Hawaiian shirt who leaps yeah. backwards over the chairs away from Dick Murdoch uh, while these women are, aren't moving. So he must have said something, and Dick Murdoch went just pointed at him, and that guy jumped over like two rows of chairs to get away yeah, from Dick Murdoch. Yeah, Joe Watts even mentioned it on commentary. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, um, well, Joel Watts, <laughs> but and as far as what was it called the calf cattle brand, calf brand the move with the knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off of, uh, off of the top turnbuckle that he does. It's called the, what the cattle branding or something. Anyway, um, he has to try to explain that he's like, well, you know, that's a move on the edge of legality because yeah, yeah. it comes off the top rope, but he's never lost physical contact with Ted DiBiase so that way it's not illegal I'm like just, yeah, just, let, people go no the, just let people go off the <laughs> fucking top rope Bill what the fuck <laughs> just let it happen and uh, and I just want to mention one thing about Dick Murdoch he, Dick Murdoch is one of the greatest performers of all time and everyone who goes well he puts in the comedy shit in the middle he does the curly shuffle like I mentioned in the middle of this fucking hate-filled match nobody cares it works wrestlers do silly shit it's it's not comedy it's the way he sells and there's lots of wrestlers who do their art that way especially back then yep and that's how he did it and it's great it's a performance as bloody as it's a fucking performance and he's a a dick murdoch was an amazing performer and Dick Murdoch was also not a was, was was a racist, but here's the thing: a lot of people might bring this up in this day and age. Go, wasn't he in the KKK? <laughs> and I don't think he was. Now I, I'm not saying he wasn't a racist, because I mean he's Captain Redneck for Christ's sake. There's enough <laughs> documented shit that he's a racist. But here here's the thing: I don't think Dick Murdoch could really be all that into joining up on shit. I think he was in the KKK kind of like he was an alumni of West Texas State. He didn't really go to the college. He just said he. He just you know, he hung out with them. No, but he hung out there all the time, and he was kind of a mascot, and yeah, sure, he's an alumni. I'm sure he didn't go swear in and have a hood and everything. He's got to go to work with pork chop cash and tour around the country and make junkyard dog look good. And stuff like that. And, uh, he's just, I think he's more by association. <laughs> that works for me. Yeah, you know. It's how yeah. you explain away. It's how you explain away the terrible tendencies of amazing artists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was really good stuff. Um, a note on the uh, the loaded glove was that early in the match, Ted does load it, but then he gets knocked out of the ring by right. Murdoch. And you kind of forget about it. And then that's why it pays off so well at the end that he had that glove loaded the whole time and was just waiting for the right moment. Um, yeah. I guess this was kind of like a blow off because he did get a clean pin on him, too. Uh, but yeah, really great stuff. Um, he collapsed like Murdoch collapsed like a wet noodle. It, it was amazing. It's, yeah. it's one of the most amazing cells I've ever seen of a knockout punch. Yeah. Yeah, Murdoch's so good. I still say that match he had with Afa from 
MSG in 1984 <laughs> is is an all-time masterpiece. Great minimalist uh, match. Yeah. Oh god, maybe the maybe the greatest minimalist match ever. 20 minute draw, but yeah, it's shit all over it cuz he didn't understand it. Yep. Oh, it's so awesome. Wait, hold on, I've never seen this match. So Dick Murdoch pulled a great match out of Afa in 1984 yes. with Afa as the babyface. Yeah. And it was a draw. A 20 minute draw. You know, I mean, so he was a racist. That's fucking amazing. I could, I, I've never seen that. That sounds unreal. Yeah. That card's on the network. That's a yeah. miracle. Yeah, that one's on the network. I think it's October 84. Oh, I'm not going to watch it, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, I, I think you should watch it someday. Um, that's a good card. That has Hogan and Stud in the main event. Really when I'm in match. the mood for Alpha and a draw, maybe. But, you know, I, it's two, there's two things against one thing there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's incredible. Um, anyway, so this was a pretty good show. Um, pretty good. I thought it was a great show, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, no, he was I talking mean, about us, Pete. <laughs> I mean, you have two. To me, you have two four-star plus matches on top. Uh, I thought yeah. the undercard was really well. I mean, the only match I thought was just basic and basic was Terry Taylor was Rick Steiner. Yeah, no, there's lots of blood variety too. Um, different kind of matches. Uh, you have the Roberts. Hey, you know, Terry, Terry Taylor used to go up to people backstage, went and meeting them for the first time, and go. Hey, I'm Terry Taylor. Who's your favorite wrestler, and why is it me? <laughs> that was a line he did, and I think that I think that's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, well, another check in his favor, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, Red Rooster. That didn't that didn't kill his career at all. Um, the man is a legend. Um, it, totally, it totally killed his career. His <laughs> in-ring career. It was already re- rewinded down. You know, Magnum TA had the accident. He had Red Rooster. They both oh, met, you know, you know, the PWI uh, curse. Six of one and a half dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, there was a lot of similarities to the Pro Wrestling USA show that we looked at last week. Um, the matches were all, you know, at a brisk pace. There was not really any downtime. Uh, the lots big difference of... here to me is I felt this show was a lot more focused. And you could tell. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. creative idea and vision, while the other one felt like it was like a couple of different promotions doing their thing. Yeah. Right. That, I mean, that, Pro Wrestling USA. Yeah, it was a super card with uh, guys from all over the place. Um, but I mean, you had some consistency with Crockett feuds and stuff right. on that one. There were there were two different consistencies. On... Yeah. Um, uh, there was lots of blood on both shows. Um, they're both definitely the antithesis of what the WWF was putting on at the time. Uh, like a an MSG WWF show could be just god awful. Um, so they had great matches. But they had mostly just shitty draws and matches that were not fought at a brisk pace at all, or <laughs> just at a snail's pace and just uh, heatless and with boring chance, and it was just crap. 
Um, well, that's one thing this didn't have. There's definitely no boring chants. There was a lot of boring chants in, at the Meadowlands. And there's those there's MSG cards in 85. You know, there's a lot of crap on them, man. When you get to the top stuff, man, people were fucking going apeshit for fucking Hulk. Oh, yeah, you know, and, the uh, top stuff was yeah, awesome. You know, and, and, and Greg Valentine and Tito Santana yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. shit, man. It was, just, it was just undercard bullshit. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. But these cards were, like, top to bottom um, solid. Yeah, they were well, that, That's a difference of the way they present it, man. It's a WWF thing. We saw it for a long time back then. He's like, on those live shows, the undercard doesn't really mean anything. There's only, they focus on mm-hmm. three things, you know, yep. and that's it. Yeah, and if that, I mean, often yeah. as it was just the main event, was all like, that mattered. What I say was they had, a, they had a smaller market to uh, draw from, pick from. So they had to get people out there, and they had to have a bigger, fuller card because yeah, of that. Yeah, you got to really bring the people out. Because WWF could be like, nope, come out and see Hulk Hogan, or come yeah. out and see uh, uh, Bruno, Andre, or, or Andre, or whatever. That, that's it. And so the idea there is like, well, we don't always have the NWA world champion. Uh, come out and see the whole goddamn show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just a different way of presenting. Yeah, it's different philosophies gimmicks and um different feuds so many different feuds going on at the same time um yeah but i mean yeah it's all it's all great i mean uh the msg card that i talked about last time uh, december 30th so in between the two shows uh that we looked at was main evented by hogan and savage and that's a great match um and the crowd is molten hot 20,000 plus at msg um, that's the only match I can think of off that card off the top of my head, but it's a really good one. Like Hogan and Macho at MSG at that time was, uh, was gold. Yeah. And so there's three cards in within, uh, like three days of each other. Um, but yeah, 29th, 30th and 31st. Um, and I'm sure the AWA put on something really cool at yeah, Christmas wow. Wow. in 85. Well, well, at 85, yeah, I think I was maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I think it may, maybe it's on the network, too. I, I don't know if the 85. Um, what else was going it's on? It's already hit time? or miss for the AWA around this time, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there was uh, still a lot of uh, thriving territories at the end of 1985. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. It was it was a good time. Oh, yeah, it was a, saying, a high point. For I watched enough AWA to know around '85 it was starting cherry picking what's good, and I was like, there's not a lot to cherry pick from. Well, they still had enough '85. They still hadn't gone down, 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 down. No, '86 um, would be a pretty solid year actually for the AWA. Yeah. Match wise, maybe not like draw wise. Maybe not. T- uh, maybe not television presentation wise either. Oh well, that was never their forte. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Anyway, boys, uh, this yeah. was a fun time. We should probably get going. Yes. Uh, we'll be back to our regular uh, scheduled world-class programming next week. And we're in 1983 there, so we got to go back a couple of years in the quantum leaping Lenny machine. Uh, dust that off. We're time-traveling again. Um who knows where we'll go next time. I guess we're just waiting on the, the network, on the hidden gems to steer us in a, in a random unpredictable unplanned direction that's it's fun like because these shows just 
come up out of nowhere, basically, just on what wait, are, whim. Are we, no, oh, wait, are, are our fates controlled by Vince McMahon? I think they are, or, or whoever <laughs> he has in control of the network is uh, determining our uh, schedule. Hmm. Um, anyway, I that's hope he listens right. to the show. Yeah. <laughs> On his deathbed, he'll finally get around to it. Maybe. It was those guys. <laughs> they won't know what that means. It'd be like Rosebud. Who are those yeah. guys? World gas. World and gas. Then, <laughs> he drops the what snow the globe. Fuck is a, yeah, yeah. A, a snow globe with a picture of Parv in it. What the fuck is this movie? All right, everybody. Have a good one. Later. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, 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 going. tough.